You're listening to the Cup of Joe Morning Show podcast, hosted by Joe Hunter on the Sound of Life at soundoflife.org. I saw her say goodbye. Just happened to catch a little bit of that on television. Uh, the coverage of the Olympics, of course. If you catch something, you probably just happened to get on it and catch it. And it it really perplexed me because I couldn't figure out who is this person. And why does she look old? And she's in a sport where everybody's very young and stuff. Yes, like all of her fellow Olympic female gymnasts competing in Tokyo, Oksana Chusovitina is tiny, impossibly agile, and explosively fast. What makes people do a double take is her age, of course, just as I did. She's 46. And she is the oldest Olympic gymnast in history with the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. That's the name of the Olympics, 2020 Tokyo Olympics. Okay, I didn't lose my mind yet. All right, I know it's what year it is. So anyway, it is the eighth time she's competing in the Summer Games. You got that eighth time. Five feet tall, 97-pound Dynamo is representing Uzbekistan and hoping to qualify for the final in the vault. Her specialty, which takes place on August the 1st. She told reporters this week these Olympics would be her last. My son is 22 years old, and I want to spend time with him. I want to be a mom and wife. Good for you, Oksana. She can go ahead and start doing that now, I do believe. Very difficult to qualify for the finals. And um, so I think she was waving goodbye. I'm pretty sure about that. I'll post the link. Uh, about this 46-year-old gymnast. It's very inspiring. Eighth Olympics is just phenomenal. I posted on the Cup of Joe Morning Show Facebook page just for you this morning. The Sound of Life. You were watching the opening ceremonies of the Olympics. You probably didn't know this, I don't think, but uh, right outside of that 65,000-seat stadium was a very disappointed man who spent a lot of money for tickets to be in there. Sitting on the sidewalk, he decided to go anyway. He said, I'm going to go. And he sat outside, tears streaming down his face just because he couldn't be in there and be a part of it. And you would probably understand why when you find out that Mr. Kazunori Takeshima has been to the Olympic Summer and Winter Olympic Games for the last 15 years. And he was hoping to set a record for seeing the greatest number of ticketed Olympic events in a lifetime, which I have no idea what that is. But, of course, it was in his home country. So here he is. He snapped up 197 tickets, spent $40,000, and then the organizers made the decision to bar fans from almost all Olympic events because of the coronavirus risk, of course. And he decided to watch the opening ceremony sitting outside the gates of that stadium, kind of with tears in his eyes right there. It's interesting, quite a spiritual picture there, isn't it? If you're thinking about that, you don't want to be that day sitting outside because you decided to reject Jesus. Don't want to be doing that, no. And you'll be a lot more than just crying, you know. I mean, can't imagine the anguish that it'll be. So we don't want that to happen to you. It's not going to happen to you. You're going to be in there because God is not one to say, oh, we're not, oh, you're not coming in, you know. No, unless you were ever thinking that. That will never happen for some reason. Through the blood of Jesus, your name is written in the book of life. It's kind of the way it is. Personally, I think since he'd spent all that money, of course, he's not seeing any. He's just going to the Olympics. He's not seeing any of the 
of the of the events. He's not seeing a number of the ticketed events. I don't know. I think he ought to get you know some kind of world record credit for showing up there. Really? Totally. Right? Okay. A great way to start your day. Go ahead. Make my day. The Cup of Joe Morning Show. The sound of life. Well, perhaps you have this verse memorized. As Lena Abujamra says, if you've been a Christian longer than a day, you probably know and love this verse. And it is from Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Of course, the Apostle Paul writing to his protege, Timothy. He said, God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. You might even have a tattoo on your arm. That's understandable. It's an amazing verse, isn't it? Lena Abbey Jammer says, I've used it night after night before any big exam. I still recite it when I pull into my detached garage at 2 in the morning, get a case of the nerves. I say the verse like it's a mantra and wait for its magic to take effect. Too often we do that with verses. We find one we love and we put it on repeat. We listen to it like it's a mantra and miss the awesomeness of the God behind the verse. Ooh, our God is powerful. He has defeated the enemy. He loves us deeply and in a moving letter to his protege, the Spirit of God inspired Paul to write those words of encouragement to remind him of his God. This verse moves us past letters, on a page to a reality so astounding about a God so awesome. It is our God and not the mere words we recite who has given us power over evil. It cost him his son to do it, but because of love, he'd do it again in a heartbeat. So go ahead and recite the words, worship the God behind the words and every syllable. Okay, thinking today about what we're afraid of and that how thinking about God, his character and his love for you, bring that verse to life for you. Post from uh, Lena Abujammer today. That is her power moment just for you from Cup of Joe Morning Show. The Cup of Joe Morning Show with Joe Hunter. You might as well get up, do something. The sound of life. Have a little fun, maybe. Uh, I tell you, I wish my aunts and uncles were around. I just vividly remember moments uh, spending with them. My mom grew up in eastern North Carolina on a farm, a working farm, of course, and talked a lot about that. And I knew my grandmother and grandfather there. And my aunts and uncles... All right. Well, she had uncles. Uh, no, she had Aunt Ruth. Yeah, Aunt Ruth. Uh, pretty amazing. See, it all kind of comes back, right? My dad grew up in Raleigh. Whole di- completely different type of family with three brothers. Uh, I'm sorry, two brothers and a sister. <laughs> just, I should just leave it alone. Do you have an aunt or an uncle you like to give a hug to this morning? Yes. Do you have uh, an aunt or an uncle? aunt last year who was 103 joe really i asked her when she was 102 what you know what's the secret to your long life and you know what she told me no i always worked hard and i never really stayed mad at anyone don't you wish you could give her a hug now she was an amazing woman that's the woman whose husband left her cheated on her she ended up being divorced in a day when people did not get divorced took care of her herself and her daughter she was an amazing incredible woman Waking up with a cup of joe. You make my drive to work so worth having. 
Thank you for the entertainment, the music, the love, the blessings. The Cup of Joe Morning Show, the sound of life. Catching up on the Olympics there. It's very exciting. It is absolutely right. I think Rune Arledge is the one that coined that phrase, right? The uh, the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. Uh, it comes in different ways sometimes. The human emotions are incredible. And you're watching people, and it always impressed me ever since I was a kid, watching the Olympics, watching people whose sports don't get a lot of publicity normally, and they have to be very good at it, and they have to train just as hard as anybody does. And so here they kind of come out, you know, here they are. There are very few people in the Olympics, I think, that, I mean, you know, like a lot of sports that are the top people, like Simone Biles that you know all about and everything. You know, she she transcends, you know, uh, a, a few people like that, tennis players, th- stuff like that. But by far, in a way, most people, I know they, one statistic was 47% of them are college students. So the amount of time it takes to train and be just to be in the Olympics is, is phenomenal, you know. And then you have qualifying to get into the final round and stuff. So no wonder. It's a, it's a great thrill. I guess the biggest disappointment is that there's no parents sitting in the stands, you know. No, no loved ones, no trainers. Things like, well, maybe trainers, I guess. I, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a little confused with that. I wondered who was in the stands, and my wife said, well, there are photographers that are there, other athletes come to show support. So that was a good thing. I mean, there were more people in the stands than I thought in some events, all right? But certainly not like it would have been by any means. So today is July 26th. Thank you very much. A big day in history, oddly enough. Yeah, in 1759, the French gave Fort Ticonderoga to the British. Thank you very much for that. <laughs> Appreciate that. Oh, man. In uh, 1788, uh, New York, the state of New York, became the 11th state of the United States. 1788. Set, uh, 1920. This is a big one, kids. This is on the test. 1920, the 19th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution is ratified. You know what the 19th Amendment is? That's the right to vote. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 1920. But... The question for Cup of Joe Mug Day. Cup of Joe Morning Show, my mug. With a prize inside is uh, from 1775. 1775. Things were getting very exciting around this time, around this place. 1775. Okay. So that is coming up right after Dr. Tony Evans. I'll give you an opportunity. First person with the correct answer on the hotline. Then you win my mug. 800 946 1765. That is on the way. Hang on. Reaching the heart of the Northeast, the sound of life. The Olympics going on. A little bit different side of the Olympics for you. I'm going to hit you a little bit here. Give you an opportunity to pray for some folks there. Uh, Lindy Lowry, who works for a missionary organization known as Open Doors. And they are fabulous. They are around in all over the world, really. And they see some things that are uh, horrific, mostly with dealing with persecution of Christians. So she's watching the 28th Summer Olympics opening with her 14-year-old son and watching the countries parade in there in Tokyo's National Stadium. 206 countries participating. Lindy says out of the 206, 49 of them are ranked on Open Doors 2021 World Watch List, which means... They are the most dangerous places to live if you're a Christian. 49 countries. There's no peace if you are a Christian there. So over the next couple of weeks, as the athletes peacefully come together on the world stage, 
Our sisters and brothers will continue to suffer for their faith far away from uh, metal counts and media attention, of course. Now, you can take action by praying for them. And there is a list of how you can pray with persecuted Christians living in places where faith costs the most. I will post that on the Cup of Joe Morning Show Facebook page just for you. Um, 127 Olympic athletes compete in 18 sports from India. India, where Christians in parts of the country will continue to be attacked, humiliated, denied COVID-19 food aid. And as you are hearing this, house church leaders in Iran are praying for protection from interrogation, raids, imprisonments, even as their Olympic athletes compete in 17 events. So we need to remember that in all these countries, God is still writing their story. In Iran, the church is seeing some of its most aggressive growth in history. In India, the church is rapidly expanding through bold believers who press on in their faith and share the gospel. So as you watch the Olympic Games over the next couple of weeks, remember your family in these 49 countries and beyond who are faithfully running a race for a crown that will never fade. So let's be the crowd of witnesses and remind them we're the one church, one family. So I appreciate that note and email from Lindy Lowry, who works for Open Doors USA. And I'll post that just for you on the Cup of Joe Morning Show Facebook page right here. Waking up with a cup of Joe. I can't stop drinking the coffee. I stopped drinking the coffee. I stopped doing the standing and the walking and the words putting into sentence doing the sound of life uh, olympics have gotten uh, more complicated i was just thinking about that you know kind of like life things are more complicated i understand a lot of people are very frustrated about how to watch when to watch who to watch they don't know what's live different things are on different channels it's not like the old days where you watched one network and whatever they showed was on and you know oh well, this happened earlier today and stuff and obviously it's what 11 hours i forgot my wife was calculating what time it was in tokyo and uh you know a day ahead by 13 hours i think so a day and an hour ahead. I believe that's what she said. But, you know, some things stay the same in the Olympics. And one of those is the thrill of victory when you don't expect it. You know, you think about the state of Kentucky. You're not thinking about world fencing champs, are you? It may be the last place that you would think, yeah, I'd put that last, you know. But uh, the new slogan is, the doctor will stab you now. <laughs> I just thought that was very funny uh, and very unusual training strategy for the, uh, for the doctor. Uh, and you should know, her name is Lee Kiefer, and she became the first American ever to win the gold medal in women's foil fencing. I think she's excited. She's also in medical school. She was waking up at 5 a.m. and going to work during the worst days of the pandemic, just so you know, okay, uh, and training to be able to do that. Lee, some, uh, very incredible. Um, she had an unusual training strategy for Tokyo, going to medical school, and uh, it's uh, pretty amazing. I'm sure she's just out there doing the best she can, and sometimes that's what happens, isn't it? You, you got nothing to lose. You're so thrilled to be there, and sometimes... That's kind of basically what it takes. And we here at the Sound of Life want to congratulate first American ever to win the gold medal in women's foil fencing. Lee Kiefer, 
We love you here at The Sound of Life. God bless you, man. Oh. The Sound of Life. Marsha's a lot like me when we're out and about. We smile. People wonder what we're up to, right? We always try to smile at others. And sometimes you get a little like, uh, I'm going to make you smile no matter what, you know. But, you know, during the whole mask era, it was tough. We realized, uh, you know, nobody can see a smile. But then we kind of realized, Marsha did the same thing. We kind of realized that... You can see it in your eyes. I've heard people talk about that. That's actually scientific. There's a scientific name for it, which I don't want to try to pronounce, but it's been described as smiling with the eyes. Do you know it's also in the Bible? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Proverbs. It's a proverb. A cheerful look brings joy to the heart, and a cheerful heart is good medicine. Oh, yeah. See there? Can't beat that. Smiles of God's children. Many times come from that supernatural joy we possess. Oh, it's a gift from God that regularly spills out into my life, your life. You know, we encourage people who are carrying heavy burdens, and it's not that hard to see that people have got some kind of burden. At least they should. It looks like they do, right? And so I'm thinking that they do. It comes on the outside. So we encourage people who are carrying heavy burdens. Share with those who are looking for answers to life's questions. The Bible says that too. Always be ready in season and out. Even when we experience suffering, our joy can still shine through. Oh, yeah, it can. So when life seems dark, choose joy. Let your smile be a window of hope, reflecting God's love and light of his presence in your life. Dear God, the joy you provide is our strength. Uh, let us, let it, let me be a messenger of your love to others. Yes, amen. Waking up with a cup of joe. Good morning. Good morning. Rise and shine. The sound of life. You know, if I said, uh, do you long to please God? If you know God, then you long to please him. That's kind of a rhetorical question. And I mean, you really can't know God without having a deep, heartfelt desire to please him. It's like Lena Abbey Jammer said, though, when it comes to pleasing God, we have this kind of a tendency to start doing more to impress him. I mean, it's something that we kind of slide into, I think. It's just kind of my opinion. Lena kind of saying that herself. I mean, you know, she buys a new journal. You start the Bible reading plan. You look for ways to serve more, give more, do more. I mean, pretty soon you're worn out. And then you get bitter. I mean, for all the more I do, I can't feel God any closer. I get so easily caught up in this performance trap that I miss the essence of faith which is what drew me to God in the first place, and you as well, too. In the Hebrews, which is a book that somebody really cool wrote in the back, almost the end of the Bible, if you didn't know, God makes it clear what pleases him. It turns out that belief, not behavior, is the way to God's heart. Belief, doing simply wears us out. Believing God renews us. Believing God entails believing in his character, his goodness, even when life is hard, believe in God, rest in God's strength and love. Believing God means letting go of self and hiding in him, certain that he will help us through it. Believing God rests from work and hangs on to hope. Not because I'm strong enough or Lena's strong enough, you may think so, but because I know God and I have come to know that he is indeed strong enough to carry me in my weakness. Ways we can't even imagine, I would think. A little thought there 
from Lena Abujammer, kind of asking you straight up like the Baptist church used to do. Uh, do you believe in God? Right there. Mm, thinking about difficult circumstances in life. Maybe you're in one right now. Believing God in it. Yeah, that's kind of what you got to ask yourself right there. Thanks, Lena. A great way to start your day. The Cup of Joe Morning Show. Look, I'm a frequent coffee drinker. I'm part of the club. I have a card. The Sound of Life. C.C. Winans, believe for it. I, I have a feeling that um, that song there may be one of Simone Biles' favorite songs. Maybe even now. Not known for breaking news. Stand by for news. <laughs> Thank you very much. A uh, great person in news, of course. But I thought I'd get it out there because I thought you would probably want to know. It is quite a setback for a lot of people who actually watch this part of the Olympics. You know, Simone Biles had trained so hard to be in the Olympics. The, 20, the Tokyo 2020 Olympics, which these are named, of course, a year later. And she is like, man, I'm running out at the end of my time at 24 years old. And, you know, that I'll be able to compete on a world stage and stuff. And I, people are probably like, man, girl, you do anything you want to. We knew she was having a tough time. Um not only that, she went into the Olympics with nobody in the stands. She said, it'll be the first time I'll be competing without my family sitting there looking at me, which I always, before every competition, would find my mom, dad, you know, look, there they are. Okay, good. I'm a set. I'm ready to go. And that wasn't going to happen. So, you know, you kind of wonder. Athletes have to get over a lot that's mental. Didn't look very good in the qualifying, although qualified second. Uh, in the team, as a team, but made some mistakes, you know. And she said, yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Really tough. Came out, was working out, and uh, I guess fell, uh, attended by a trainer. But that wasn't the big deal. Uh, she left, came back out in warm-up gear, and cheering on her teammates with her backpack on and her warm-up gear. And she told them that she pulled out of the team competition final. So that's the big news today. It is not injury-related, and apparently her coach said it's a mental issue that Simone is having. That is per NBC commentators just now or within the last couple of minutes. Okay, um, She has, of course, could fill your house and my house both with the medals that she has won. She has done things in gymnastics that nobody else is able to do. In fact, only a couple of men can do some of the things that she does. She's distancing herself from really the rest of the competition. And they say that some of the, on the committee, whatever that is, you know, they're like, we, we don't want other contestants to think that they don't have a chance. You know what I'm saying? So that's one of the reasons they, they judge her the way they do sometimes. Some people say she, you know. Anyway. To go on all that, she did write a book, which uh, does uh, in it speaks a lot about her faith in God. And she does that a lot on social media. Um, it's called Courage to Soar. That's the name of her book, in case she wanted to know. And it probably has a lot of insights about this young lady who was adopted by her father. Her, uh, well, it's her father and his second wife. Again, we get all that. But anyway, uh, living in Texas there. So uh, it's an incredible story, and um, it really is. I mean, just about her all around over the years and stuff, she has been a shining, medal-winning example, and, of course, the smile goes along with it. Uh, and so you hate to see something like that happen. So 
praying for Simone Biles today and her mental stability. God bless her with your peace. That's what we pray for today. A great way to start your day. The Cup of Joe Morning Show. Oh, you look like a man who could use more coffee. The Sound of Life. What if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but I don't have love? then I'm just a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. The Apostle Paul went out of his way to explain to the church, us, how vital and important love is. Jesus said, they will know you are my disciples by the love that you show. You show that love, there's no reason that they should be loving that person, showing that love. And of course, things like that get so distorted. That's the way it is right there. Paul went on to say, love is patient and kind, right? It does not envy, does not boast, is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And yes, I did read it. How far could I get on my own? I don't know. I'll never admit. But today, July 27th, is National Love is Kind Day. What's your favorite part of that? Love is kind. Yes, you got a favorite part of that? Love does not envy. Ooh, that's a good one. Okay, very good. You have a wonderful, blessed day. Thank you. You too. Okay. Isn't that what they say in North Carolina? Have a blessed day. A great way to start your day. The Cup of Joe Morning Show. Believe it or not, back in 2020, something really pretty remarkable happened. Got a hold of this. Believe it or not. Her name is Elisa Mendoza, and she got a surprising email from her father in the middle of the night. The message had instructions about what to do for her mother on their parents' 25th anniversary. Now, it was in the middle of the night, but there was another reason it was so shocking, because Elisa's father had passed away 10 months earlier. She discovered that he'd written and scheduled the email while he was sick, knowing he might not be there. He'd also arranged and paid for flowers to be sent to his wife for upcoming years on her birthday, future anniversaries, and Valentine's Day. Wow! story could stand as an example of the kind of love that's described in detail in the Bible, in the Song of Songs, Song of Solomon, I'm saying. Love is as strong as death. It's jealousy unyielding as the grave. That's how the Bible puts it. It's amazing. Comparing graves and death to love seems kind of odd, but they're strong because they don't give up their captives. Whoa. However, neither will uh, true love give up the loved one. Whew. Wow. It's the, the peak verses are six and seven describing marital love. As one so strong that many waters cannot quench it. It's an amazing way it puts things. And as Julie Schwab says throughout the Bible, the love of a husband and wife. Now, here's the thing. It is compared to God's love. See? That is an example to us here on earth, to God's love. I mean, you can check out Isaiah in the Old Testament, the prophet Ephesians, Paul's letter to the church there, Revelation, okay? Wow. Jesus is the groom and the church is his bride. Wow. I won't go into all the people want to know, especially wives want to know, are we going to be married in heaven? That's, but that's a whole other book. Okay. But now, see, now you're kind of getting the whole thing there. Married on the earth. All right. God showed his love for us by sending Christ to face death so we wouldn't have to die for our sins. 
Whether we're married or single, we can remember that God's love is stronger than anything we could imagine. Amazing. Dear God, thank you for loving us so much. Remind me of your love each day and give me glimpses of it. Your daily dose of encouragement. I've got a smile on my face and a twinkle in my eye. The Cup of Joe Morning Show, the sound of life. I'm very excited because uh, a couple of years ago, somebody said, man, they're digging up the whole Middle East. Archaeologists, they're digging up everything. You know, and all this stuff that was in the Bible, it's like, what, just a matter of feet? I mean, not a couple of feet, but probably starting at 20 feet, you know, 20, 40 feet, I don't know, whatever it is, below. They just found something else. Israeli archaeologists excavating in the Judean foothills have uncovered something, an extremely rare, and it has an, an encryption on it. And it carries a name. You know what the name is? Jerubbabel. Dude, that's over 3,000 years old. <laughs> wow, can you imagine? I don't know what, you know what it looks like, what shape it's in or anything like that. I, I can, I can, I'll link it. I'll link the book of Judges to you. That's where it is in the Bible. It's a small jug, and uh, it's over 3,000 years old. Uh, it was in a storage pit at an artifact contemporary to the period, times of Israel set. The name of the judge, Gideon ben Yoash, was Jerubbabel. He said, we can't tell whether he owned the vessel on which the inscription is written in ink. Who cares <laughs> if he owned it? His name is on it. Maybe he did. Maybe that's what he, oh, write my name on there, you know. 3,000 years later, you know, they always, we always say that, right? You know, well, when archaeologists are looking that up, you know, thousands of years from now, you know, they'll be wondering why we did it. And, and here it is right here. It's got his name on it right there. How many things that are in the Bible, <laughs> Herod, you know, King David, all this stuff has been, has been found in the Israel. <laughs> I'm just like, how many, how many things are we gonna have to dig up before people go? Wow, the Bible must be right. You know what I'm saying? Is that right? Boy, howdy. Yep. Reaching the heart of the Northeast, the sound of life. Maybe you've uh, rolled your eyes when someone says God won't give you more than you can handle. Right there, I just rolled my eyes. Man, it was amazing. And when you're in the middle of it, boy, you're feeling that weight of that present trial, as we say. And uh, maybe right now, right now it feels so much heavier than you can handle. And Lena Abby Jammer says, I know what you mean. I've been there too. Well, as a physician in the emergency room in Chicago, I probably think she's absolutely right. You know what? The Apostle Paul, in a letter to the church, gives us a hint of how to handle the trials that seem too heavy for us to bear. He says, indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Woo! See, uh, Paul was walking through a trial that felt way too hard to bear himself. Uh, but instead of feeling discouraged, Paul saw an opportunity, a chance to trust. Paul was like that. That's why, you know. We read his letters to the church. That's it. So maybe your trial has gotten you to the place where there's nothing left to do but to trust God. 
And that's exactly why you're, maybe you're going through that. This is a perfect place to be, actually. Like Paul, it's only when we get to the place where there's nothing for us to do but trust that we're finally ready to say, on him, on God, we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. So if you're facing a trial that only God can see you through, don't despair. You are maybe closer to a breakthrough than you can imagine. Thought from Lena Abujammer. In fact, it's a, a power moment for today, right? Choose to hope in God, even if your trial feels too heavy for you to handle. Good stuff. Waking up with a cup of joe. Good morning, sunshine. The sound of life. I, I hope I'm not turning into an old curmudgeon. I don't think so. I mean, I joke about it a lot of times. I follow the church curmudgeon on Twitter. Highly recommend it. <laughs> Very funny. I can't tell you why right now, but anyway. Uh, I mean, I could, but I, I, I want to tell you about this, uh, the curmudgeon thing, because uh, I found out about a man who's 84 years old. His name is Ron, <clears throat> and he was given a gift. And now I could see some people kind of like at first kind of going, what are you doing this for? You know, why? And not being receptive. But they gave him a cat, all right? His name's Fluffy. And he said, of course, he would say that now, but he said, uh, we just hit it off. I looked at Fluffy, and Fluffy looked at me, and we, I just fell in love with him. That's really cool. And so Ron obviously needed a companion, you know, because what was going to happen was stuff that they put in movies and TV shows that have like the worst possible scenario, and you're you're looking at it and thinking that would never happen in real life. Well, it did happen to Ron. He was taking a shower and he got out and he fell. All right, fell out of the shower, and he was home all alone except for Fluffy. And when he landed in a position where he couldn't move, his I guess his arm was up under his body right there. First of all, he's got one of those alert devices, but it's in the other room on the charger. And his cell phone's in the bathroom, but it's out of reach. He can't move. He said, my arm was pinned under me, and the hours kept going by, and I lay there in agony on the floor, hoping and praying. Now, one thing you should know is that Ron and his cat, Fluffy, they get along very well. And so he would narrate what was going on, what Ron was doing. And whenever he the phone would ring... He would say, ring-a-ding, ring-a-ding, you know, like that. And so he was so desperate, really, I mean, just laying there for hours, uh, that he the only thing he knew to do was he said, I, I said, ring-a-ding, Fluffy, you're my only hope. He said, it wasn't five minutes later, something hit my hand, and I'm here because of it. And his cat went and got the phone, dropped it in his hand. As you roll your eyes at me... There are many hero cats out there, I found out, because of this story right here. And then the others, people are witnesses to hero cats. Yes, indeed. The Cup of Joe Morning Show with Joe Hunter. Pop some bacon on a biscuit and let's go. We're burning daylight. The sound of life. Talking about uh, living up to expectations. That's kind of what it's all about, right? When's the time? We've all had... Times where we didn't live up to expectations, all had times when we exceeded our expectations. And then there were times maybe, maybe it's to come for you when you were like Telemachus. Oh, yes. You know, you had the gladiator sport. Speaking of 
Not now. This is not the Olympic sports that we had back in the uh, Greek started the original Olympics. Way different than this. This is the gladiator, the blood sport of gladiators fighting animals and each other and stuff in the arena with thousands of people, I imagine, looking on in the Roman Colosseum. We're talking about like three or 400 A.D., all right? Well, Telemachus is just a monk who lives out in the countryside that nobody knows about. And he happened to visit Rome. Um, he lived east of there, I guess. So he visits Rome, and he goes, like everybody else does, to the arena. And he was watching this sport, and he had had about enough. So much so that he jumped over the stadium wall and tried to stop the gladiators from killing each other. The outraged crowd ended up stoning him to death. However, the emperor... Honorius, I believe, was so moved by his act that he decreed an end right there to this 500-year practice of gladiator games. That's it. No more. Just like that. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? I mean, that's one of the most incredible stories that you never remember. You may have heard about, but never remember. I think it's important to note the hostility, or the, I shouldn't say hostility, but the, the enmity, really, the difference between the Israelites and the Gentiles, Jews and Gentiles. Remember, uh, the Apostle Paul said, now in Christ, through Christ's death and his blood, there's no more Jews and Gentiles, right? It was very stark difference right there, of course. Uh, the, the Jews are God's chosen people, of course. There was actually a dividing wall right there at the Jerusalem temple. I mean, you could worship our God, but on the other side of this dividing wall right there. And they really didn't like each other. There was a mutual hostility. Um, and it's probably hard to understand, except you see about that flaring up in the news a lot, right? It's still going on, as it will. Um, but so the Apostle Paul is saying Jesus is creating that peace through his death. Pretty amazing. So if Jesus is our peace, uh, our differences are not going to divide us. Let's, let's make that happen. All right. He's made us one by his blood. Dear Father, God of peace, you made us one in Jesus. Help us to know it and live it. Amen. The sound of life. Always a lot of things going on in the Olympics, you know. Uh, and, of course, some people get the headlines because they are the face, if you will, kind of, of the Olympics, big face of the Olympics. But, man, what they were talking about, even just with the new sports, there were over seven, uh, excuse me, 470 athletes there in addition to what would have been there. So, there's, I mean, there's tons of sports and things going on, all kinds of stories and things like that, Okay. Uh, all kinds of failures and stuff. Rune Arledge had it right years ago. Wide world of sports, you know. It, it is the thrill of athletic competition. It, it, it's the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. I mean, it, it's, it's tough. Um, if you were in a lodge, I guess it's called the uh, Olympic Gold. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I gave it away. I guess it's just called the Lodge. It's out in Reno, Nevada. And you were getting a cup of coffee one morning for three bucks and uh, maybe a breakfast for eight dollars or something. And uh, you, you did it in the year 2020. There's a pretty good chance that the waiter who served you is currently wearing 
an Olympic gold medal. It's amazing, isn't it? Still a little speechless on that, says Bo Becker, even with the evidence hanging around his neck at the Tokyo Aquatic Center uh, last Monday afternoon. He quit the sport of swimming when the pandemic hit in the spring of 2020. He's in postgraduate studies. So he was training um, <clears throat> at Auburn, and he moved back home. In less than a year's time, he came back, reignited his passion for the sport, found himself doing extraordinary things, qualified for the U.S. Olympic team, grabbed the last of five spots for the 4x100-meter freestyle relay. Now he has a goal. I mean, it, it's, it's just crazy the way things happen sometimes. And we all sit out here... You know, try, trying to analyze it and make rhyme or even a reason of it and things like that. And some people are just having a tough time even talking today. So- the Cup of Joe Morning Show with Joe Hunter. Oh, you're a smooth talker. You are. You are. The sound of life. So I was going to help you out, you know, and I know old school people got an answer already when I say, you know, what do you do? When you hear somebody yelling, one of your kids yelling, in fact, it's your daughter, the door slams, huffing, puffing, coming down the steps, because, you know, that red face and that clenched fist, you just had a fight with her brothers, right? And you know how angry she is, and she's expressing it with everything but words, kind of the way it is. Now, I know, I know the old school, and what I'm about to tell you, you might be going, yeah, okay. But it's from mymom.com. I'm going to post that right there. And uh, as the writer says, and you do too, you want your kids to know how to handle their feelings in a healthy way. And that means helping them become more self-aware and emotionally intelligent. Mom said, I I remembered a tool a friend shared with me. Don't laugh when I say it's called a feelings wheel. That's right. I pulled one up on my phone. I used it to dig a little deeper with her. And as soon as she found the word that described how she was feeling, her demeanor changed. Her eyes got wide. She felt understood and equipped to express herself. And uh, it's a printable wheel. There's one. I know it sounds funny. There's one for ages one to four, which is very simple. Your basic happy, scared, loved, mad, sad, and anxious. And then there's the feel wheel for the ages five to 12. Your daughter can handle this. Your daughter scared, but maybe she feels intimidated, scared kind of deal. You know, so it takes it a little bit deeper right there. It's just a tool that I want to give to you that you can try out and see what happens, right? And uh, while you're at it, I'm going to post this on the Cup of Joe Morning Show Facebook page for you. Excellent! Okay, (laughs) all right. Ask your child in the meantime, what's your favorite emotion? What's your least favorite? Reaching the heart of the Northeast, the sound of life. Olympics making a lot of news. They've always been that way, I think. You know, it, it's it's interesting. I was recently reading about the original Olympics. We're talking BC days here, Greek Olympics, and it's fascinating because the participant, the would-be participants, would get together and they would go to a village, an Olympic village, really, and they would train for a month. And it was brutal. That was the word used in the article. It was brutal. So if you dropped out, it was no shame to drop out then. But if you made it to the Olympics, to the arena, and then you dropped out, humiliation. 
Interesting, isn't it? And of course, if you won your event, you were set for life. You were exalted. Like a weightlifter from Panama winning the first gold medal ever. <laughs> she was incredibly emotional. But is it interesting how human behavior just really is human behavior, isn't it? Regardless of what kind of toga you're wearing or, you know, whether there's running water or not or whatever. I think it's very interesting. Uh, somebody commented on the Simone Biles dropping out. She said she showed the rest of us that mental health is health. Right? That's, that's as big a part of me. My mental health is as big a part of me as if I'd broken my arm or something. It's, it's, it's health. I was reading a, an account by a man who his last Olympics was 20 years ago. And he went through something that was horrific. And he, he was a fencer. We would never know who he was. But a lot of it's because of the sport. But he qualified for the Olympics, and he went, and he said, when I got in competition, I, like, freaked out. He said, I had no idea what was going on with me. He learned later that, um, what's it called? Um, um, I'll think of it in a second. Um, but it, it, it's a very real panic attack, very real thing. And he said, I, I just, I couldn't concentrate, I couldn't focus, I was just scared to death and all this. He didn't do very well, didn't qualify and left, but then he qualified to go back four years later, and this time they qualified, but same kind of thing was happening, he, and he, this was happening at other areas of his life, this feeling and stuff. So he had gone through counseling since then, and has come out of that, and it's improved his life tremendously in all areas of his life. But he said, you know, as everybody else who came out of the Olympics, they were running to get those ring tattoos, the Olympic logo tattoos on their body somewhere. He said, I just didn't felt like I deserved it. Imagine that. That's a real inside to somebody's mind. And they had been to two Olympics, been in them, you know, but didn't feel like deserved being there. Recently, he's come through it, of course, and stuff, and he said, well, I made up my mind as they were having the opening ceremony of the Tokyo Olympic, I was getting my ring tattoo, you know, my the five rings, the logo tattoo, on the back of his arm, not real big, you know, but he said, I want it to be imperfect. He told the guy, which they love that, right? He said, I don't want it to look like the logo. I want it to look like somebody drew it on there so that it's imperfect because... It was not perfect by any means. And that's one of the reasons that the heart, the red heart you see, that's the reason it looks like it does, because it's an imperfect heart. All right? So, but isn't it good to know that you have a God who loves you all the time, all the time, does not want you to ever, you know, not, he's always approachable, and he'll come in through the blood of Jesus and give you a brand new heart. Woo! Waking up with a cup of joe. I can't imagine traveling to school every day without it. It helps me um, in my prayer over our school and our students and teachers. So thank you for all that you do. The Sound of Life. Online headline I saw. And I thought, this is so typical. Why do they do this? Right here in the middle of summer. Got a picture of a gigantic front end of a shark, you know, right away. That'll get your attention, right? 
It could be there. No, actually, it was asking the question, could a megalodon shark be in the ocean depths? Well, suppose it's in the realm of possibility, right? And they're all excited about that. I thought, well, that's it for me. <laughs> but it puts your mind on it, right? They, they change your mindset. And now you're thinking, oh, they didn't say it. All they did was ask the question. And and then in the article, it's like, well, it's got to be there. It doesn't matter that by all scientific accounts should be an extinct for more than three million years. <laughs> but, you know, could be there. Some 50-foot predator out there, you know. And it's interesting how they go after things like that. And they and they admit that, well, you know, most of the ocean, we don't know what's out there, right? But when it comes to a belief in God, nah, I don't I, I don't believe, you know, really. How much of the known world do you know? You know, in other words, if this white chalkboard was all the knowledge in the universe, how much do you think? You would this this little little circle I'm drawing here, the size of a quarter or something like that. You know, is that that's about that's about it. I mean, think about all the, you know, you don't even know about all the stuff in the ocean. You just admitted that, but yet you're willing to say, no, nah, there can't be. Oh man, oh man, people see people never change. It's kind of the way it is. I think we've been over this. Waking up with a cup of Joe. You make my drive to work so worth having. Thank you for the entertainment, the music, the love, the blessings. The Cup of Joe Morning Show, the sound of life. So I don't know if you saw the um, the Philippine person, the woman, who was a weightlifter who got the gold medal. It's one of the most amazing things you've ever seen. You talk about the joy, the thrill of victory, as was said a long time ago. Man, it is it. Because she knew that if she lifted that particular weight she would get the gold medal. It would be the first for the country of Philippines, believe it or not, first gold medal ever. 97 years. <laughs> That's why it's significant, right? Uh, an amazing person. Hitalyn Diaz is her name, and she's lifting quite a bit of weight there. Uh, just a look on her face, because she, she got it up there, and she's holding it up. You got to let it go. What is it? Three seconds. And you get the buzzer, and that's it. And as soon as that was, she dropped it, she just, the emotions just poured out. Raw joy just poured out. It's kind of like we'll all be probably for 10,000 years in heaven. That's what I figure. It's kind of the way it is. You should know that being in the Philippines, there are people in other countries, and you probably know this, that during the pandemic and lockdowns and such, I mean, when we say the term lockdown, that was for real in a lot of other countries. Uh, the stuff that we complain about, they pray for. I mean, they, they would love it. Uh, she uh, got stuck because she showed up for a, a qualifying uh, tournament or, you know, whatever it is they do. Um, she showed up for an event and then the shutdown came and she couldn't get back home for a year. She couldn't move. Um, and then she had to build basically her own gym. Now get this. She's a gold medal winner in her class in the Olympics. And her gym consisted of water bottles. That's what she trained with. To get the weight, water bottles. Isn't that, it's, it's incredible. And Hidlin, by the way, is a wonderful Catholic person. Um, to be the first gold medal winner. It's pretty cool. Um, in her division. 
And she, I taught the Paul Grimson, of course, who's very familiar with the Philippines. He has ministry there, Hope for Change. And he said they are going nuts. And, of course, he gets tweets all the time, poor guy, because they're like a day different. You know, so the time frame is just way off. So he's getting messages. He said the whole country is just out of their minds. They're just going nuts with joy, which is uh, it's a pretty cool thing, I think, going nuts with joy. Right? Amen. Amen. <laughs> Waking up with a cup of joe. Good morning. Good morning. Rise and shine. The sound of life. I got to say congratulations to the U.S. A softball team. God bless you guys. You know, it was kind of a very strange, bizarre thing, kind of going along with a bizarre year. <laughs> they uh, they were playing Japan for the gold, and uh, the uh, it was two to nothing. Had a, I know there was at least a runner on second for the U.S. Coming down to the end, from what I understand, line drive. Oh, this is going to be it. Hold it. Just hold it. Base runner on second. Just hold up a second. Make sure. Because a player stuck her arm out. There it goes. But it hit her arm and careened off. Oh, second baseman's off. Taken off, right? Amazingly, the ball went right into the glove of another player before it hit the ground. So there's an out. And guess what? <laughs> You're rounding third. You're like, uh-oh. There's two outs and the game is over. And uh, I don't know if it was the last time they played was that bizarre. Uh, for the for the championship, but they lost to Japan then as well, too. But the U.S. team was ready. How were they ready? Because uh, based on an interview from a lot of the players that they recently did with an outfit called Sport Spectrum, which I posted the link to that, or, yeah, it's got their stuff on it, on the uh, Cup of Joe Morning Show Facebook page. It's a link to the whole uh, U.S. softball team. And, uh, they you know, they hadn't been in the games in, like, 13 years. And they, they did lose. Uh, Tuesday, so somebody needs to tell Charles Morris about that because he's talking about the players and how strong and outspoken Christians they are. Two standout performers in particular, uh, Kat Usterman, who's the pitcher. She's amazing. Left-handed pitcher, I guess. Outfielder Janie Reed. Uh, they shared in their podcast, or in the Sports Spectrum podcast there, back in January, that her, the catcher, Aubrey Monroe, uh, they had conversations before heading to Tokyo. Now, this is how mature Christians they are. Because they were think the conversation was how would we handle the disappointment of not winning the gold? You know, suppose we, you know, and understanding a gold medal can't fulfill them. It's not everything, right? It's a perishable reward. So they got it together, and they're a great example of others. We see others that have it together and stuff, and it encourages us. And how to do and, you know, kind of get it together. That's my whole idea. The Cup of Joe Morning Show with Joe Hunter. You're as funny as a cry for help. The sound of life. So what I need for this next little piece here is a stressed out mom, right? I need a, I need one. Well, that was quick. <laughs> I need one stressed out mom. Okay, there you go. Now, here we go. <clears throat> Let's try this off the size. You just need to take more time for yourself. You know, some me time. How about uh, you should get some rest? How about that? You got serious thrill issues, <laughs> <Okay>. dude. <laughs> it may seem impossible with all you have on your plate, but taking mom time to renew and recharge is a good investment. It's an investment, and it pays real returns. Okay, maybe one of the best you ever make. If you haven't done so yet, uh, don't think of it as self-indulgent. Think of it as self 
self-preservation. Giving yourself permission to pour into your own life will help you gain a fresh outlook and a renewed perspective. So try a few of these 31 ideas. Oh, yes, way beyond three, way beyond 10. 31 ideas for getting some mom time on any old day. It is from imom.com. Wanted to share it with you right now. Just share it on the Cup of Joe Morning Show Facebook page. Not because I want you to go visit the page. Because I want you to pour into yourself a little bit. Okay? You may be surprised at some of the things. I'm sure you will be. Since there's 31 of them. Got to be some things in there. Right? Uh, and, and, and they're very practical. And you can read a little bit about them right there. There's even a printable... Quick prayers, encouragement for encouragement for moms, for you, okay? And I apologize, Lord, for, you know, quick prayers. I mean, but you can expand them however time allows, right? But to get to get one in, there you go, right there. That's part of the me time, um, all right? So there you go. It's more than just, uh, you know, <laughs> was it Jerry that said uh, just, you know, spend a little time on the couch, well, uh, you know, you know what kind of movie that is, and sitting there with the tissues, kind of deal like that. Oh, it's way more than that, and um, not surprisingly, getting outside. I mean, you know, taking that old walk. They used to call it. Uh, well, just I go for a walk, but now it's hiking. You know, I mean, that's basically just where you walk, walking in the woods. There you go. And my tweet for this is: giving yourself permission to pour into your own life will help you gain a fresh outlook and a renewed perspective. So how's that, Mom? Look for it on the Cup of Joe Morning Show Facebook page, just for you. A great way to start your day. Go ahead. Make my day. The Cup of Joe Morning Show. The sound of life. Welcome to Cup of Joe Morning Show. I was reading about a group of athletes that are first-time athletes in the Summer Olympics. Or <laughs> do it in the Winter Olympics, unless you're off the coast of New Jersey. That would be really cool. But how exciting it is, you know, with all the news, all the stuff about the Olympics going on, uh, there is some incredible, uh, really amazing things and there always is isn't there is it's kind of like life there's always something really cool going on fernando said it was a very emotional feeling for me worked 22 years to get surfing added to the olympics this is never going to happen again the first day of olympic surfing think about that uh, some of the other surfers felt exactly the same way. American Carissa Moore, who, by the way, is a four-time world champion, said, I never dreamed of surfing in the Olympics. Only until the last few years, when it got accepted into the Games, it really became a reality. She said the other day, I'm walking through the check-in room, and I saw the jersey. I was so excited to actually see my name in the Olympic rings on the jersey. Think about that. Your name on that official jersey with the Olympic rings. I mean, it just hit. It just gives you chills to think about it. She said it's a very special time to be a part of surfing and to be here on this world stage. I'm very honored and I feel very fortunate. Sometimes it takes somebody new to have a perspective, really, 
that probably a lot of the athletes do. You know, sure, gymnastics is probably that's the the go to. If the one that everybody wants to watch, the incredible, it combines incredible athleticism and you, we don't even know what they're doing on the balance beam kind of thing. You know, what happened there? An incredible skill. And it's the showpiece of Summer Olympics, I think. But to get the enthusiasm, I mean, childlike enthusiasm. She said it feels so real to actually put the Olympic jersey on. Oh, that was Caroline Marsh, 19 years old. She said, I feel just so proud and honored to be here and represent my country. It was really fun. Isn't that amazing? It took surfers to show people how the Olympics should be appreciated and how they really should feel, and probably a lot of them do feel. And sometimes it's just hard to know when the surfers get excited what they're really saying sometimes. You just drop in and just smack the lip. <laughs> the sound of life. So I get a prayer request from John Schlitt, believe it or not. Yes. Well, he's on a forum that uh, does prayer requests for people who submit them to the artist, you know. And uh, he just really asked uh, the Lord to continue opening doors for concerts, worship services, events, wherever God can use me. Because I'm not ready to retire, and I want to continue as a singer for as long as possible. Good old John Schlitt. He started in, um, what, 1970 with a group called Head East, I believe. In 80, he retired from them and uh, joined a group called Petra in 1986. He was the lead vocalist. And um, now he's, uh, well, he's born in 1950, so he and I both, we're scrolling down the uh, wheel there when we're online, putting in our age. It's pretty amazing. And I'm glad he put in a prayer request. I really am. And Lord, we ask you to bless him with your peace and your wisdom and to open doors for John. I know I've heard him sing on some, um, you know, other and with other bands, believe it or not, and groups and stuff. He's still got the passion, man. I'm telling you, he does. I mean, maybe the voice isn't quite like, you know, when he was 30, but, uh, man, I wanted to share, in case you were not familiar, and there's a good chance that you're not familiar with the music of Petra. They were quite the band. They really were. And uh, rock and roll, Christian rock and roll band. Petra is Greek for rock, of course. And, uh, but they did a song that I think just really transcends musical eras. And it is one of the cleverest songs ever. Ever. I mean, in all genres. I, I, I really believe that. And it's called, believe it or not, The Coloring Song. It's a short little ditty. It's powerful. You'll never get it out of your head. You've been listening to the Cup of Joe Morning Show podcast on the Sound of Life, the Hudson Valley's 100% listener-funded Christian radio station. For more information on upcoming events, contests, to ask for prayer, and to become a member of the Sound of Life family by supporting the station, visit us at soundoflife.org.